Hey folks, Zach Oshman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Thursday, October 5th. It's a rainy Thursday in Bloomington. It feels like fall has finally graced us with its presence, whether we wanted it or not. Uh, and fall means basketball recruiting is very much on the front burner, and it is very much on the front burner at Indiana right now. The Hoosiers, of course, have zero commitments in the 2024 class, but they have about as many irons in the fire at the top end of that class as maybe any program in the country. And to talk to me about that is my good friend, ESPN, what, what do we call you, National Recruiting Analyst, National Recruiting Insider, Guru. I like insider. Let's go. Let's go insider. Let's go insider. That's, those are the the that's the dulcet baritone of uh, Mr. Jeff Borzello from ESPN. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, man. Sorry, it's uh, raining by you. It's not raining here. It's beautiful and sunny and like seventy three degrees here in New York. Well, it's it's probably coming your way. You live. It is hundred percent. So, um, I want to start with I guess just the the wider question of of where Indiana is in the recruiting landscape, and and we'll preface all of this say this out at the front of the podcast it, you know you got to close on kids even to be a finalist that's that's great but you know if, if you're always the bridesmaid then it's ultimately not going to win you a lot of basketball games i think everyone understands that but one of the things that maybe was one of the concerns that was raised most pointedly when mike woodson was hired was basically is he prepared for roster development, roster building at the college level when he's going to have to get out and recruit, when it's a different kind of system. And of course, we had all kinds of discussions about free agency and how it compares to the portal. But thinking about high school recruiting, you know, he'd never been in, in college. He was going to have to build kind of this reputation from, from, you know, not very much, at least at that level. What has set the stage, maybe both in terms of the stuff we can measure, you know, the, the top 50 recruits he's landed, what he's done with players like Jalen Huchifino, Trace Jackson Davis, Malik Renew, whoever, and maybe the stuff that's a little bit more, I guess, vibes, for lack of a better term, that has maybe built a little bit of this feeling that Indiana can can swim in a bigger pool in recruiting than it has in a little while. I think the biggest thing he did was when he took over the job, he, you know, and it's been kind of demonstrated by his pursuit of five-star recruits consistently since he took over, is he decided that Indiana should be involved for five-star recruits. And that can backfire on new coaches. Um, you know, there's been endless examples of, of new coaches taking over, say, hey, we're going to recruit five-star kids or top 50 kids, and they miss on three or four or five straight guys. And suddenly they have to settle for for lesser-ranked kids or lower-ranked kids, and they flame out after a couple of years. Indiana's different. I mean, Indiana has the brand. It has the prestige. It's still – you know, whether you want to include it in the blue blood conversation that's irrelevant, it's still one of the biggest programs in the sport. They should be involved for five-star recruits, whoever the coach is. And Mike Woodson said, hey, I want Indiana involved. And he wasn't afraid to do it. Um, you know, I think Mackenzie Ambaco is, is a prime example. When he goes on the market in the spring, he said, all right, we're going to go after him. Indiana is going to be involved for him. Where, you know, he could have seen Kansas and some other schools get involved and say, all right, he's probably going to go to Kansas. Let's not waste our time. Let's go to the portal instead. And so I, I just think that the, the, the fearlessness that he has shown on the recruiting trail since taking over, um, and Indiana has a lot going for it, obviously. I mentioned the brand. I mentioned the history. It's, got, um, it's done really well in the NIL department. Um, I think all those things are huge factors on the recruiting trail now. And, and it's, I, I think the, the relentlessness which, which they've gone after, Liam McNeely, Derek Queen, I mean, they, go to, they seem like they're at Montford every other day. 
and I, I just and four deep for these guys. And so I just think that's that's kind of paid off. I mean, I've I've heard from from a couple of people that there are kids that they've they're going after in this class that it you know were were listening to Indiana, but then you see them show up at your high school once a week or four deep for for you once a week or once every other week, and that's going to kind of turn your head a little bit. And so I just think that that's paid off for Indiana, and I just think it's it's a combination of things. Um, and I, I think Mike Woodson's kind of at the at the head of that, and, and his his decision to say, "Hey, we sh- we are going to recruit these guys," and you know, it's it's paid off. And I, I the other thing I mentioned this last time I was on your pod when we were talking about Mbako is that I think what they did with Hood Shafina was huge. I mean, he wasn't a a top five can't miss recruit or or NBA prospect when he committed. He came there as a, you know top twenty five top top 20, top 30 type of guy. And he turned out to be one and done and was one of the best freshmen in the country. Recruits see that. They say, all right, well, I only want to be in college for six months. Where can I go that I'm going to be there? I'm going to compete at the highest level of college basketball and also put myself in position to be drafted after one year. And Hochefino showed that. That gives me a a wonderful segue into, I got a chance to sit down with Woodson uh, a couple weeks ago and I got this quote and there there is some classic Woodson uh, colorful language in here. So, so fair warning if you're listening in the car with your child or something like that, uh, because thanks for warning me. I will not edit it for the podcast, but he said, when I first came in here as coach, my coaches uh, that we kept over and the new guys I hired, they were like, Woody, you can't start at the top in terms of recruiting. And I said, bullshit. Why not? All they can do is tell you no. Um, I think it is fair to say that has characterized his approach. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned NIL there. I think it's, it's pretty well documented, you know, and, and in my, listen, there's, there's no, there's no hard and fast answer to this. I, I say this all the time. Every coach in America know, you know, is, will swear to you up and down that there are five other coaches that have more NIL money than they do. It doesn't matter, you know, what sport or what level of the sport or where you are in your conference hierarchy. There, there, no coach ever has enough, basically. Um, but I think it's pretty well documented. Indiana's got a robust kind of a healthy NIL setup that's appealing to kids. But I wanted to ask you, too, about Woodson. And I think that the, the counter to that argument, maybe when he was hired, was, well, but here's a guy that can talk to kids in a very real way about the path to the pros, working with professionals. Um, you know, there's there have been plenty of examples, even since he's taken the job, when he's gone back to see the Knicks and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are giving or hugging him and – um, I think Carmelo Anthony has has spoken, you know, at length about his respect for Woodson and his time working with Woodson. But I mean, how much, as simple as it sounds, how much do you think some of that is basically? You're always going to have to fake it till you make it a little bit in, in coaching in any sport. But once you prove it, I mean, do, do you think there's almost a sense of kind of now that Woodson has maybe, you know, put some of that proof out there? Suddenly, those arguments or, or those you know, that sort of story he can tell of his NBA background and translating it down to college carries a lot more weight, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think he kind of nipped that the, the narrative of, you know, a guy that hasn't coached in college, he's not going to grind on the recruiting trail. He doesn't want to be in, you know, hot gyms in July, you know, which is, I mean, they're all air conditioned, so it's not even a, an argument anymore, but like it, mo- there's been a, a long history of former NBA guys who come to college and they just don't work. They don't work on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, they want their they want their their off season, and in college basketball, there's really no off season until like maybe August now, and even that's about two weeks. And I think him right away, kind of getting involved for these long term recruitments. I mean, that's kind of what, unless you're recruiting exclusively in the portal, these guys you need to recruit them. High school guys, you got to recruit for three years, two three years, and 
by getting involved with some of the guys he got early, some of the guys he's going after now, you get in on the ground floor of those recruitments and you have to maintain it and you have to be steady with it for years. And again, it's, it's, there's been a, a, a long list of NBA guys that have just come, come to college and they, they don't want to do that. Um, you know, Chris Mellon had success at St. John's or some level to success at St. John's, but you know, he wasn't out there every day in July or every day in April recruiting. There's and he's not the only one. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that, um, they prefer the, I'm going to be in the gym with the guys. I'm going to get them better. I like skill development. I like player development, recruiting. My assistants can go get them. High school kids, they want to see the head coach and they want to meet with the head coach. They want to talk to the head coach. And that's the relationship you kind of need to have um, with a lot of these elite level guys. When you're kind of, you know, breaking ties to the end of your decision, it's if you don't have a relationship with the head coach, you're probably not going there. And so I, I just think Woodson has kind of shaped the narrative pretty quickly on I'm going to work for recruits. And the guys that he's coached in the NBA, they love him. And and you mentioned a few of them, but there's very few guys that you that you hear have bad things to say about Mike Woodson or or you know skeletons in his closet or anything like that. He seems like you know a genuinely good coach, nice guy, a mentor type of guy for a lot of these people. And 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 so I just think the narrative around him is just really positive right now. One, I guess one bigger picture thing, and then I, I'm sure people will want, and I'm not, we're not going to ask you for the most insider of information, but, but your your sort of perceptions of just where things stand with some of these guys. But the, you mentioned, too, the, the need for kind of long-term relationships. And, and obviously a lot of people, including me, will cite Jalen Huchifino as, as, you know, kind of a key example of what Mike Woodson was able to do from, from kind of beginning to end in terms of, you know, prioritizing him, selling him on Indiana and recruiting working with him at Indiana when he was there and then obviously moving him on into the NBA. But it occurs to me, you talk about timelines and relationship building. This is the first class that maybe Woodson really would have had to get in on the ground floor with in terms of recruiting these guys. What summer of 2021 is when their sophomore is going to be juniors. Am I thinking about that right? Or, or you yeah. know, fresh, or is it freshman going to be so anyway, you, you understand my point. This is kind of maybe the first test of his ability to go, really to the kind of the ground level and, and work his way up. And as, you know, as we talked about kind of keep Indiana at what he likes to say at that table, even as other schools fall away, even as sort of recruitments, you know, pair themselves down just, I mean, in your mind, what does it say that it's, it's maybe not just, you know, we, people like to talk about how quickly Indiana got involved with Tamar Bates, with Malik Renew, with McKenzie and Baco and, and how good Indiana has been at times in the portal in terms of building quick relationships. But what does it say in your mind about, you know, this is kind of that first class where would Mike Woodson and his staff have to start at the very bottom and build their way up. And obviously, again, they've got to close, but this is kind of the end game is them being in sort of maybe, let's say, the final group for some pretty elite guys. I think part of it is, I mean, if you if you see a, a Duke or Kentucky or Kansas, they can sometimes, Carolina, they can sometimes throw in an offer with a month left in the recruiting process and still get in the mix. That's just what, you know, the recent success they've all had kind of enables them to do that a little bit. Um, Mike Woodson has not really tried to do that with Indiana, and that's for good reason. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know if Indiana right now is at that point where they can jump into a recruitment with three weeks left and turn the tide. And so I think that the fact that they've run the race for, for you know, most of their targets for a long time and maintained it and stayed in the mix and say, you know, even when other big schools come in the mix and, 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 you know, try to 
to take command. They're still staying there. They're still fighting. They're still going to the high school. They're going to every AU game. They're still making calls. I think it shows a lot. And, and I said at the beginning, it's just they're, they're relentless um, in, in terms of their pursuit. Um, you know, like a, like a Liam McNeely. You know, I, I think that, you know, Texas was involved early when, when Beard was there. And, you know, Indiana was kind of there. And they just kind of stuck with They stuck with it. He keep, you know, they keep showing up at Montford. They keep recruiting them. Eventually, you're going to say, okay, they obviously really want me. I, you know, they've shown, they've made a, a concerted effort to continue recruiting me, even when other schools with the, you know, maybe a, a bigger recent, more recent success or, or are the perceived leaders or whatever are staying in the mix. They keep showing up four deep for me. And eventually, like I said, not, it's not going to work for every kid, but a lot of kids are going to say they really want me to be there. They, they want to build their whatever around me. They want to build their offense around me. They want to build their team around me. They want to build their recruiting class around me. And I think that's going to, that, that has an impact on a lot of kids. Let's talk about, I, I guess it, it seems like it is uh, pretty much pared down to, to three now. I think that, that have Indiana's kind of main focus, Derek Queen and Liam McNeely at Montverde. Queen originally from Baltimore, McNeely originally from Texas, uh, and then also Boogie Fland up in up in New York, uh, up in your neck of the woods. You know, it, it's it feels kind of like it's it's a bit of a different challenge with each, with each of those guys. McNeely, I think it, you know, it sort of feels like IU in Kansas here at the end. Everyone seems to think that's going to conclude itself one way or another soon. Boogie Fland, maybe IU in Kentucky, Alabama, kind of floating around in there as well. Derek Queen there's always kind of the, the pull of um, home and of Maryland. I think a lot of people for a long time just kind of assumed he'd, he'd go to Maryland, but he, he hasn't committed yet. There's also some relationships there with Houston. Um, but I guess what occurs to me, and again, I'm not asking for like your most insider information. I recognize you've got a, a duty to, to the worldwide leader as well, but um, you know, in Indiana, being involved with this many kids, none of whom, frankly, have immediate ties to IU. I mean, you've been around basketball recruiting as long or longer than I have. You know, we've seen Indiana and in some high level recruitments before. But to be this and in, this deeply involved with this many kids that really like have no sort of cultural predisposition to look at Indiana. They're not from Indiana or even really the Midwest. Only one of them grew up in let's call it. Big Ten, I guess two of them, if you want to call, you know, White Plains, New York, Big Ten country. But I I wouldn't do that. But that's there's there's no I mean, there's no there's no sort of like legacy Big Ten. They're not from the West. None of them grew up in in Indianapolis or anything like that. Um, Can you remember a time when Indiana was kind of this competitive for guys that are all in that, you know, let's say 15 to 25 range, um, none of whom really have some, again, sort, sort of you know, natural predisposition to IU, no matter who the coach is. No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, they, they had a good amount of success kind of in that when they got, you know, they got James Blackman, obviously in-state kid, and, and they got Thomas Bryant, not an in-state kid, but he had, you know, strong relationships and, and you know, they've gotten guys in this, we're going back at what, nine years now, to eight, nine years now to those guys. Um, I, I think that, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis was a, was a, Midwest kids. So going outside their region, I mean, that is what top 10 historical programs should do. I mean, they shouldn't just, I mean, getting Romeo Langford was huge. That was awesome. He was an in-state kid. And, you know, they, you're, if you are a, the flagship program of a state and you're one of the five to 10 biggest programs in history, you should be keeping uh, Romeo Langford home. You should be keeping Trace Jackson Davis home um, to go outside that area, to go outside the region and compete with, 
Kansas for for Liam McNeely and um, Kentucky for Boogie Flan. They're they're in some some fights with some powerhouse schools that you know only a, five to ten programs in the country can say, "Hey, we're going to go after the best kids from from every region, no matter what. We're going to compete with everybody." And Indiana's doing right doing that right now. And I think that even if they don't get all three of those guys, and I think there is a chance they get all three, but you know, I, I just think it shows kind of the determination that Indiana has to be one of the power players on the recruiting trail. I guess just, I mean, as much as, as much as you're willing to share, just basically um, where do you see Indiana standing in, in, in maybe at least in the bigger picture in terms of, you know, do, do you think that there's a chance they strike out on all three? Do you think, I mean, you mentioned you think they could get all three. It certainly feels like that's on the table, which again is, is not something that I can remember you know, even in terms of at times, maybe Indiana going deep in some recruitments, being a finalist, but it always kind of being widely recognized. Like Miles Bridges, I remember Indiana was in that group, mm-hmm. but but it was widely sort of recognized. Indiana probably wasn't a leading contender. I mean, do, do you at least kind of get the sense that Indiana is a serious option for each one of these three kids beyond just sort of, oh, they're my finalists. But like it's, you know, basically whenever you sit down to the proverbial table, to discuss with your coach, with your parents, with your, you know, whoever is in your inner circle, Indiana is going to be one of the, the key players, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a better chance to get all three than they strike out on all three. Um, now I don't think it's likely to get all three. I just think that to me, there's very little chance they don't get any of them. And, you know, for, for Liam McNeely, I think they're one of two, obviously. And I think Indiana is in a good, in, is in good shape right now. I know Kansas went to see them or, or meet with him on what they say Thursday. So on Wednesday, I don't know if that really changed much of his recruitment. And that one's been an interesting one over the last few weeks. Is it seems like we've heard a few times now that he's kind of get, getting ready to commit to Indiana decision, imminent announcement, imminent, and then it just kind of quiets down. Um, but I do still think that Indiana is in a good spot. So they're one of two there for Boogie Flan. I think they're probably one of two. Um, you know, I had it on pretty reliable information going into the Alabama visit that it was Indiana and Kentucky. And I think Alabama made up some ground, but I still think they're a distant third. So I think it's, again, they're one of two there. Um, I think both Indiana and Kentucky have kind of made it clear to Boogie how much he's wanted each of those programs. So I think that's kind of a a strong dogfight. You might ask one person, they'll say Indiana, one person will say Kentucky. And then for Derek Queen, I think they're probably one of three right now. Um, you know, I, I, you mentioned the hometown poll to Maryland. I think Houston's in there. Obviously, they're going to host him for a visit this week. Um, Jarris Walker, the, they have a connection to his AU program through Jarris Walker and, and they have a strong relationship there. Um, and then there's Indiana and, and Indiana, you know, Queen has a really good relationship with Liam McNeely. Um, I think Woodson's got a good relationship with the family. Obviously they're recruiting Montford really well. And, and, and so I think that, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing I heard about Queen was that, um, he really liked his Kansas visit. And uh, I think they'd be a factor had Flory not committed there and had, you know, I mean, Hunter Dickinson could stay another year there after this. And so it gets a little crowded in the front court. So I think he really liked Kansas. I just don't see them as a, as a top three option for him right now. So, you know, again, they're probably, probably one of three there along with Houston and, and, uh, and Maryland. So, you know, they have a, a legitimate chance to get all three players. And, and again, I don't see, I think there's a very slim chance they don't get any of them. I think they're going to end up with, at least one five-star kid in this class. I guess we'll close here. Um, recruiting is always kind of a, I mean, there's an extent to which recruiting will always be a bit of a, what have you done late for me lately for me 
business insofar as you know you, you're always only as good as is kind of your next your, your ability to prove to the next group of you know highly ranked prospects that you are you have the right sort of resources the right experience the right environment to develop them into what they want to be as basketball players whether that's you know one and done or nba down the line or whatever it may be um we've talked about you know in the past on these podcasts you know what it meant to to develop trace jackson davis the way mike woodson did we've obviously talked here and elsewhere about what it meant to develop Jalen Hood Shafino or, you know, probably even some, some, you know, players that have, have kind of grown up around some of the, the, let's say the leading stars over the last couple of seasons in Bloomington. What would it mean in your mind if Indiana, let's say we're able to land, you know, even, you know, two of these three players we're talking about, obviously beyond bringing talented players to Bloomington and, and probably setting up a, a, a pretty, uh, a pretty highly anticipated 2024, 2025 season. Just what, what do you think it would do for that reputation? That's already kind of been burnished. That's already been growing. If you get a, another round of these really talented players sort of buying into the idea that Indiana is a place where they can go and achieve their goals. I think it'd be huge. Cause it'll be, it, this would be three straight classes where they're recruiting with the, the best of the best. Um, and it would probably be, I mean, Right now, I'd say Mbako. I mean, I I think he's a future first round pick. I mean, maybe I'm I'm wrong with that, but if you could say, hey, we're gonna get a five star in three straight classes, if we're gonna have a first round pick in three in two straight drafts, um, more likely three if they get all three of these guys, then you know there's a chance one of them turns out to be a first round pick. Um, it just shows that they should continue to go into these recruiting battles. They should still go after the top ten or fifteen kids in the country. They should, you know. It's not just Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Carolina and then, you know, an occasional wild card. Like Indiana should be involved for these for these kids. Um, and so I just think that it would further establish, hey, you can come here. And again, it's 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 just kind of the, the way of college basketball now. Freshmen don't make maybe as big of an impact as they used to. And so if you're a five star kid, you don't want to make a mistake. Um, you want to <laughs> I see you texting, by the way. Um you want to go. Uh, you want to go to a school for six months. You want to compete at the highest level. You want to go to the NCAA tournament. You want to go deep in the NCAA tournament, and then you want to be a lottery pick or a first round pick. That's kind of what you want if you're a five star and have a pretty good NIL package while you're there. And Indiana can offer. Well, we're we're seeing Indiana at the early stages of offering all of those things. And I think another year of this, if Indiana has a good season, if Mbako has a good freshman year and and goes pro, and then they get a couple of these five star kids, it's just the momentum continues to grow and the reputation continues to grow. Um, and, and suddenly Mike Woodson and his staff can walk into any gym or any, any living room in the country and, and kind of show, Hey, here's what we did for A, B and C. How about you come and you could be the next one. And so again, it's just a momentum thing and it's continued to continuing to grow on the recruiting trail for Indiana. Now we just have to see it translate to the court on a consistent basis for them. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Jeff Borzello, for joining us. ESPN National Recruiting Insider, Jeff Borzello, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners. Uh, I told you we'd get you something on the bye week, and obviously there's still a lot to talk about as the page turns steadily toward basketball season. Thank you all for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners for October 4th, uh, 5th, 2023 for the Indianapolis Star, for the Blue General Times. I'm Zach Osterman. We will talk to you soon.